So we're on our last installment of Ghost Stories. Now, I know most of you already uh, have your Christmas decorations up and you're already jumping in, uh, so bear with us. We're only like a week away from uh, spooky season, so this still works, okay? Just trust me. But this is uh, number four in our sermon series on the Holy Ghost. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We've talked about how the Holy Spirit comforts and guides. And today we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit corrects. The Holy Spirit corrects. And I don't know about you, but my mom had a death stare. And I'm sure if I did something that, uh, you know, it needed it now, she would pr- still probably give it to me. But she also had a death grip. She grabbed me on the back of my neck, the back of my shoulder. I think she learned it from Star Trek or something like that. But she would grab me and let me know that I needed to correct my behavior, that something that I was doing was wrong and I needed to change. And we've established that the Holy Spirit isn't spooky, but he does reveal inside of us some things that are scary. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Jesus is talking here. He says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8 says, and when he comes, he will convict the world according, uh, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit tells us where to go and what to do. The Holy Spirit comforts us in this world of turmoil like no one else can, but the Holy Spirit also convicts. Now, the word convict means to correct and to reprove and to tell someone of a fault, not just to point out someone else's faults, but rather so that they can get them right. It's like we said last week, if you're a child of God, then God's wrath and judgment is not pointed at you. That punishment was already paid on the cross. But as a child of God, we often do need to be corrected of our bad behavior. And we often also face the consequences of our own sin. Correction is different than just punishment because correction is for our own good. Now, there are two types of born-again Christians that are listening this morning. There are those of us that have soft hearts, and then there are those of us the Bible talks about that have hard hearts. The soft-hearted person is going to run to God and tell on themselves and repent from their sin and then correct that behavior. But the hard-hearted person is going to make excuses for their sin. They're going to blame others for their sin, and they're going to hide it, and they're going to run away from the correction of God. They, They might say sorry because they feel bad because they got caught, but they don't make any real effort to correct that bad behavior inside of themselves. They don't realize that they actually have sinned against God. And they do nothing to prevent that thing from happening again. There's soft-hearted people and there's hard-hearted people. Now, the Holy Spirit corrects us all in different ways, but rest assured, he knows what he's doing. And sometimes his correction comes as a life-altering event to get our attention. But sometimes God's correction comes through silence. 
See, we resist God so much that eventually he gives us what we want. Silence. But silence can be scary. Now, if the Holy Spirit were to shine a light in each and every one of our houses today, in our hearts, in our lives, he would reveal to us that some of our houses are actually haunted. Now, not with Casper the friendly ghost or something weird like that, but haunted with unrepentant sin. Some of us are listening right now and we're scared to death. You're terrified that your family might find out about that pornography. Some of us are just doing our best to hide the fact that we have something going on inside of us. If that boss just knew about that money that you took, or if your husband knew about that secret credit card that you have, or if your parents found out about that addiction, Some of our houses are haunted with sin. And that's a scary place to be. Because you cannot have intimacy with secrets in your life. God made us with the desire to want to be known and yet still loved. And when we hide what's really going on, it's a barrier to real and true intimacy. And we begin to put up a facade about who we are. And then what we end up doing is feeling very, very alone because nobody really truly knows us. You have no peace and you live in anger and maybe fear and, and bitterness and guilt. But the Holy Spirit convicts and corrects us of our sin because he loves us and those things hurt us and they're bad for us. He wants to help us because a wound cannot heal until it is cleaned. And he wants to work on us. Today we need to look at our house, house, at our life as a whole and say, am I filled with the Holy Ghost? Does he have complete rule and control and reign over my life? Is there anything I'm holding back? Because God would much rather show mercy than judgment. The Holy Spirit uh, corrects in many different ways. God, through his Holy Spirit, corrects a country. And we see that all throughout the Bible. We see that with Sodom and Gomorrah and Nineveh and Israel. And I believe America has seen some of that as well. God corrects not only a country, but a church for its disobedience and its tendency to focus on minor things rather than the major thing and our our tendency to focus on the temporary rather than the eternal. We see that in Revelation 2. It says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, and it goes on in verse 4, it says, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember from where you are fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You can see God's heart here, right? Correction will come for lifting up anything but the name of Jesus. And when we forget why we're here and the first thing that this was all about, which is following Jesus. When we forget that and we get distracted, it's going to hurt us and the Holy Spirit will correct a church. You're loving the wrong things. 
You're loving the lesser things. Get it right before those consequences and correction come. God corrects a country, corrects a church. He also corrects a family for its actions. And he especially holds the parents accountable and responsible for the direction of the family. In the book of Joshua, we see that Achan stole from God. And he buried that thing in his tent, and his family was there, and they most likely knew about it. I don't know, you don't bury something in a tent without the rest of the family knowing. But they faced the consequences because of Achan's sin. Parents, it matters that you teach your children to live for Christ and to love Christ. It matters that you teach them how to read their Bible, how to pray and how to serve and how to forgive those that have hurt us. It matters what you teach them. It matters if you show them to follow Jesus. Because children do more what they see you do than what they hear you say. So show them patience and show them kindness and show them love and justice and forgiveness and truth. As students, you're listening and you think, man, I don't have to worry about that part. That's for parents. But here's the thing is before too long, you're going to be a full-fledged adult. It's going to happen way quicker than you think it's going to happen. And what you do today and who you're working on becoming right now is who you will be tomorrow. What you do today determines what kind of father and mother you're going to be in 10 years. So you need to work on that. You need to begin to say, I need to become the person that God is making me to be. Because God wants what's best for our families. And what's best for our families is for us to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and to love others as ourselves. God corrects a church, he corrects a country, he corrects a family, but he also corrects on a personal level. He's not a faraway God. He doesn't just deal with us in groups. He deals with us directly. And we see that in Acts 5.1 verse, through verse 10. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn over there. You're going to want to look at this. It says, but a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not your, at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. These young men rose and, and they wrapped him and they carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for this much. And she said, yay, for, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young man came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. 
And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Ananias and Sapphira is a, this story, this account is a message to you and I. Never lie to God. Never lie to the Holy Spirit. Correction is not fun. Correction is scary. These people faked their spirituality to impress the people around them. They got up and they told everybody, hey, we've got this piece of land and we're going to sell this piece of land and we're going to give all the money to the church and the people cheered. But then when it came time, they held that portion back and they lied about what they were going to do. Now, is it a sin not to uh, give all your money to the church? No, obviously not. But God does take it seriously when we lie to him. It's a sin to tell God you're going to do something and never follow through. And what that church saw and heard, it scared him to death, right? And they got right. And, and, and look, you've probably been told if you've been in church for a long time, you've probably been told over and over and over again to give your life to God. And that is absolutely the best thing for you. And that's true. But beware of taking things back. Beware of not following through. Now, am I saying that you better watch your back or God's going to strike you dead? No, that's not what I'm saying. This is an extreme example that is given to us as a lesson and as a reminder that God takes these things seriously. Ananias and Sapphira are an extreme example. But God warns us in another area about bringing sin into the church, and especially participating in communion with sin in our lives. We see that in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. 27. Wherefore, uh, whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks of the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. And that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we're judged by the Lord, we are uh, disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. And notice again, This is not just someone that sinned. This isn't just someone that made a mistake. No, this is someone that's once again putting on airs about who they are spiritually and acting as if they have no wrong when they've got sin in their lives. And we see here some consequences for that, some scary consequences. Now, many scholars believe that they took this communion every single Sunday. So this early church is remembering and reminding themselves of the sacrifice of Jesus. And they're constantly repenting and confessing their sin. And this passage says there were those that weren't healthy. They had disease and some had died because they were living in sin and faking religiosity. It's a scary thing for a Christian to live in sin. It's not in your best interest to live in sin. But some of us, after we get saved, we think, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm good now. I've got covered. I got my fire insurance. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I've avoided that separation from God forever in a place called hell. And that's it. They forget about it. They can just go about their business and do what they want. But how many Christians 
live in a sort of hell on earth because they choose in this life to live in separation from God because they refuse to confess their sin. God is telling us right now, and if you're listening, you've got something you've been holding back. He's saying, get it right. Get it right. But too often people say, I don't want to get it right. I like this thing. And he says, look, I'm going, to come, I'm going to forgive you. Come back to me. And they say, no. And their sin, they hurt, it hurts them more. And God says, look, I'm ready to forgive. Are you ready to get right? And they say, no. And over and over again, he calls them to himself. And he says, look, come to me. Come to your father. I want to forgive you. I'm ready to forgive. And they hold on to their sin. And they say, no. And God is the father. And it breaks his father's heart to see his children wrapped up in the chains of sin. He wants to offer you forgiveness and freedom, but some of us have hard hearts. You know, the people of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years because of their sin and the consequences of their sin. And I I know Christians that have ran away from God, and they've wandered in their own sort of desert for 40 years and come back when they're 55, 60 years old and say, I'm finally ready to get it right, but they wasted so much time running from the one that made them. When the Holy Spirit wanted to change them and convict them and pull that sin out of their life for their own good. Don't wait till correction comes. God's mercy is extended to you today. I promise fighting and kicking against God is not a good idea. It's in your best interest to run to him. When we resist God's loving discipline, Ephesians 4 tells us that it grieves the Holy Spirit. We use that word grieve mostly in a context of death and funerals, and we grieve when someone passes away, and the Holy Spirit grieves for us. It causes him to have sorrow and to be in distress. Why? Because you're going down a path. When you've got sin in your life, you're going down a path that leads to the consequences of your own sin and the correction that would come, and he doesn't want that for you. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to see you hurt or bring shame to the name of Jesus Christ. And he grieves. You know, there's a difference between punishment and discipline. Punishment is getting what you deserve. But discipline is for your own good. Discipline is like God taking a surgical knife and cutting out the bad things in us that are hurting us more than we know. Now, would you like someone to stick a knife in your chest this morning? Well, really, it matters about the context. It matters about the intentions of that person. If it's someone that wants to kill you, then you say, no, get away from me, and you run away. I don't want that knife in my chest. But if it's a skilled surgeon that's doing it for your good, then you say, yes, I need that. And without that, I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to have problems. When God disciplines you as a believer, it's not with the knife of judgment. It's with the scalpel of healing. And if you put your faith in Jesus as your Savior, 
then your judgment is already paid. The punishment is already paid. There is no punishment left over for you. But there may be loving discipline. J.D. Greer says that Jesus took the knife of judgment so that you might have the scalpel of healing. That's what God wants for you today. Don't run from him. Don't hold things back. The Holy Spirit might be speaking to your heart as you're listening right now, saying, get that out of your life. Don't do that. It's hurting you. Don't get involved in that pornography. It's going to haunt you the rest of your life. Don't uh, hold on to that bitterness. It's eating you alive. Don't get involved in that drunkenness. It's I see the hearts that are going to be broken. Don't text that flirty coworker back. I see that marriage that's broken. I see those kids with uh, just uh, sorrow and distress in their lives. He's there as a warning to correct us and say, get it right. And if he's telling you that right now about something, listen. He's trying to help you. Ephesians 4 that we just mentioned that talked about the grieving of the Holy Spirit. He, he, he tells us some things that distress and grieve him. Filthy speech and words that tear down, bitterness, anger, gossip, revenge, negativity. When he sees that in your life, it grieves him. And he doesn't want that for you. He wants the opposite of those things. He wants us to love each other like Christ loves us. And to forgive each other. And to love uh, each other more than we love ourselves. He wants you to live in peace and hope and freedom and faith. But the choice is yours. The Holy Spirit might be speaking to your heart right now, and it's your choice. You may have been ignoring him for years about this thing that you know is hurting you, but you've been holding on to it, and it's infected, and it's gross, and you need the scalpel of healing this morning. It's up to you, you, you whether you want to ignore him again or you want to take that first step and finally listening. See, sometimes that first step of the Holy Spirit comforting you and guiding you, it's telling you about the sin in your life that needs to be corrected. And he's calling you this morning to repent and get it right. God the Father's forgiveness this morning is waiting for you. Run to him. He doesn't want to have to judge or correct. And if he does, though, remember it's in your best interest. Come to him this morning. Come to the Father. Every head's bowed and eyes closed as you listen. Let's just take a minute. No matter if you're, you know, taking a walk, you're in your kitchen or something, just take a moment. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Ask God's Holy Spirit to reveal anything in you that needs to be corrected. Don't do it with fear and dread. Yeah, there might be some scary things inside you. Some haunted things inside you. But know that on the other side of that is healing. On the other side of that is restoration. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you're listening and you're not even sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can you go back to a time and a place where you realized your need for a a savior? You realized that you were a sinner and you put your faith in Jesus as the only means of salvation. Can you go back to a time and a place where you called out to God? It's not like a magic prayer or something that you just say. It's a a, a repentance, a turning from your sin, turning from everything you're holding on to and turning to the Savior. You can call out to God right now. You gotta understand you're a sinner and there is no amount of good that you could ever do to make your way to God. That sin is too big. But Jesus came here to die on a cross to take the punishment that you deserve. Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to encourage you right now. If you're you're a follower of Christ and you're accepted Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you right now to ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything inside you this morning that needs to be corrected. You would much rather know now than when discipline or consequences of our sin comes. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, make that choice today. Call out to him right now. You don't have to be a theologian. It's about simply putting your faith on what Jesus did, asking forgiveness and running to him. As we sing, you allow God to work on your heart. Just take a moment. Stop. Think about this stuff. Let the Holy Spirit work this morning.